This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, happy Victoria Day, folks. Hopefully you have had a great May long weekend. Certainly for the Winnipeg Jet fans with us live on Winnipeg Sports Talk, it got pretty damn good last night when Nikolai Ehlers capped off a historic comeback by the home team. And the Winnipeg Jets are now up 3-0 on the Edmonton Oilers in this first round Stanley Cup playoff series. Welcome to the program. Andrew Patterson with you, along with Michael Remus. Uh, we're going to have some fun this afternoon. We're going to be... Uh, Going through how it happened last night, some of the memories of that incredible Game 3 comeback, and then, of course, looking ahead to Game 4 tonight as the Jets try to finish the job in the minimum time allotted and go for a four-game sweep against the Edmonton Oilers. Coming up a little later on is going to be so much fun. Our boys from Illegal Curve, I see Drew, I see Ezzy G, Ezra Ginsburg, Drew Mandel are going to pop in, and Remo, myself, Drew, Ezzy, we'll get a four-box up and... uh Talk Jets with you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Shout out to everybody that's with us in the chat today and all of our wonderful sponsors, Not Autocorp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs. Opening day today, by the way. Congratulations to Assiniboia Downs. We'll get to our first daily picks for the races later on today on the program. Breezy Bend Country Club, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Um, let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Reem, um, you know what? We're whatever, 12, 14 hours removed from it, and I still don't really believe what we saw last night, but um, it's real. I checked the app when I woke up and made sure that I wasn't dreaming. Phil Mickelson won the PGA last night, and the Jets came from a 4-1 deficit in the final 10 minutes of the game to win in OT. Absolutely incredible, my friend. How's everyone doing out there? Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is wild. I did not think that the Jets would be in this position. Um, you know, we thought McDavid and Drysaddle would get their points eventually, and they definitely did. Uh, 4-1 in the third. You know, when it was 2-1, I was like, okay, we got a game. We got a game. Then Edmonton scored right after, and you're like, okay. Then they scored again four one. I was like, all right, there's not not a lot of time, but they took that penalty. And you're like, hey, you know, if they get a goal here, it's not over. And then they scored, and you're like, okay, let's see what happens. And you know, you got some time left. And then it was just, you know, as Dennis Bayak says, it was bang bang after that. So it was, uh, it was crazy. I was going, I was watching my couch with my wife. I was going nuts, like like bouncing up and down. Uh, you, you can't believe what you're watching. You don't think that that's possible. And then, you know, when they won in overtime, it was so quick. I got to be honest. I was, um, I was like looking at Twitter or something. Like literally the puck dropped and it was in the net. So I was like waiting for it to drop and then look up. Like by the time I looked up, it was in the net. And I was like, man, I started, I was running around the house to get all the stuff on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk social media pages. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those. I was doing all that uh, very, uh, very late listening to the post game. So it was uh, – people were comparing it to 2018. Uh, obviously no fans in the building, but I know people at home are going just as crazy. Oh, man, there's no doubt about it. <clears throat> we were all thinking about Game 3 against Nashville in 2018. and I mean, that was a first-period deficit. This was in the final 10 minutes of the third period. Um, which made it that much more unlikely for it to happen. 
I can tell you that the Jets were about ten to one uh, on the odds going into the third oh. period. Down. <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> well, well, Michael, I did tweet this out last night. Considering the crazy things that took place on the golf course yesterday with Phil Mickelson doing what was thought to be impossible and winning a major at 50 years old, um, going into the third period, I did the, well, if Phil Mickelson can win the PJ at 50, anything is possible bet, threw 20 on the Jets, and uh, yeah, paid 200 on the way out. So that was that was very, very nice, but that was a minor yeah, Living that, that screenshot that, life, Huss, must be living, nice. <laughs> living that screenshot life, you know it, dude. <laughs> but yeah, no, so that was that was a nice little side story to everything. But honestly, I mean, just to be witness to such an incredible comeback, an historic game for the Winnipeg Jets. And listen, uh, you know, it's still the first round. It's game three of the first round. There's so much more work to do for this hockey club, but... You know, honestly, it was just such a special moment and a special night, Reem. I mean, this has been a real rough time for Manitobans, um, for Jet fans who, you know, outside of the hockey games probably had, um, you know, a May long weekend unlike any other that they've had in their lives, except for maybe last year, unfortunately, when absolutely nothing was happening. Um, and the joy that, <laughs> that that provided this community last night was uh, Something I think that really does make a big difference. And um, what's crazy about this is that, you know, we're going to be talking about, t- you know, this last night's game and the comeback. And I mean, they're right back at it tonight. Now, it is a little bit later, 8.45 start tonight. But um, not a lot of time for the Winnipeg Jets, certainly the rest on their laurels. And Remus, at the same time, not a lot of time for the Edmonton Oilers to pick up the pieces from one of the more notorious choke jobs in recent NHL playoff history. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just got this. I was on mute there. I just got this uh, broom here. I just found it. It was lying around. Um, I don't know. It was just here. So, you know, just doing some random uh, around the house stuff. So, oh, geez. But Man, if they uh, yeah. can pull that off tonight, there'll be some fun. Uh, we'll, we'll have some fun talking about a sweep. Uh, we might not, you know, parade around with brooms today. Although I can't blame people for being fired up. And, you know, to my point, Reem, just what I was saying beforehand is that, you know, they're right back at it tonight. The Jets obviously on a big high, but the Edmonton Oilers don't have a lot of time to pick up the pieces from just an absolutely epic choke job last night. Yeah, and uh, I know I, I didn't realize this also happened to Edmonton a couple of years ago against Anaheim, where they were down a couple goals in the third. And Anaheim came back with, it was like with three minutes left. So this isn't the first time this has happened to this team. I was looking through some Euler like mentions last night, and um, it was really sad because as you know, as happy as we are here, and we're celebrating, we're pumped up, and I agree, it is giving us something uh, to be happy about in a time where you know things in the province aren't aren't that great. But uh, what's going on in Edmonton? Very, I sent you a so someone um, commented on our YouTube video yesterday's show <laughs> and I do want to say there was one person who wrote on our Facebook that didn't get the notification if you want to get notifications when we go live next to the subscribe button there is an alarm bell hit that bell turn on Ding. all the notifications and you will not miss anything but also follow us on uh, on the social medias some guy commented before the start of the third period on our YouTube let's hope we don't choke this lead in the third after the game I spoke too soon I fucking hate this team that is what 
is in our YouTube comments from yesterday. So, and, and it's funny because, you know, we're kind of used to the Jets, um, you know, getting some of these depressing. We talk about game five all the time. And uh, to be on the other end of, you know, the winning end, not only the tie, but the win after, because you could have been like, tie, oh, you came so close. It was a great effort. Now it's like, man, you really took it to them. Not only that, you took the. 3-0 series lead. Let me bring bring this in here. The 3-0 series lead. <laughs> One and more. Nick, and we haven't even talked about Nikolai Ehlers, the guy who scored two goals, coming back off injury. Uh, he looked like he didn't miss any time with a great, I mean, two sh- shots that were pretty identical um, over the shoulder and the like, right place. You couldn't place those any better than he did yesterday. Um, everyone is just over the moon and like people, and this is the time, you know, where people maybe who aren't hockey fans or aren't following the Jets closely or, you know, got sick of their losing during the regular season are like, man, this is, this is awesome. And we know maybe they don't have the best defense, but you got Connor Hellbuck and he is, so would you rather have the best forward right now, Connor McDavid or the best goalie? And I mean, I don't know, maybe the Connor Hellbuck has been the better Connor this series. Uh, he has been. So far, I mean, Connor Connor Hellebuck was awesome last night. You mentioned Nikolai Ehlers. We'll be spending a lot of time talking about the energy that he brought to the lineup, and obviously, <laughs> a legendary goal. Um, well, two of them actually, but uh, one that everyone will be remembering for a real long time. Um, hey, everyone! Shout out to uh, everyone that's with us right now in the chat. Um, we love having you in here. Let's talk Jets. Let's talk Oilers. But as I said yesterday, Adam K., we don't need any of your shitty COVID takes for crying out loud. So let's talk about the playoffs. If you we, like, we don't ban people. We're not about kicking people out. But if you come in and spam the chat with a bunch of stupid crap about COVID and uh, listen, like, you know where you need to be? The comment section of the sun. Go directly there. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. So, anyways, back to <laughs> back to the Jets and the Oilers last night. Um, yeah, Nikolai Ehlers' return to the lineup was was something else. Um, and Remo, I will say this: I think we need to uh, maybe do a little Barry Horowitzing and some uh, pat on the back. There is a serious Winnipeg sports talk bump going on right now. We've had three Jets come on the program in the last month or so: Paul Stastny, Nikolai Ehlers, and Andrew Kopp. Stastny. OT winner. Ehlers, OT winner. I tell you what, if the next time the Jets go to overtime and you don't pick Andrew Kopp in your pool with friends, you're insane because it's happening. Um, you come on this program and you score OT winners. That's apparently how it works, Reem. Yeah, watch over Andrew Kopp. We'll see how it happens. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a coincidence or there is scientifically proven to be a bump when you come on this, uh, this program. So uh, watch out. But, I mean, Ehlers, so, I mean, him and, and Dubois, I saw some people ragging on Dubois. I mean, he had a great pass to Ehlers. Oh, yeah. Um, cross ice. Um, you know, people were pointing out on that face-off play, Stasny wins the draw. You kind of see Dubois just kind of, like, box out his man just a little to give Ehlers enough time. I mean, literally, like, on his stick and off and in the net uh, like that. Like, you couldn't even, you blink your eye and it's gone. It was, um, that was a nice play to watch. We can go through all the goals. We have all, Hus, we do have all the goal calls. Here. Yes, we do. And a shout out Harn Ryan Singh with an amazing one on Sportsnet last night. But my God, did Paul Edmonds have a masterpiece on CGOB last night? And you know, lucky enough, we've been working with the OB folks. We've got the green light to play some of it for you. So we'll do that in just a second, or you can get that up. Eric was asking 
um, whether I uh, slept in this or I'm still wearing this shirt. You will mm. notice this is the blue that I was wearing yesterday. I do have an update on the shirt situation. I took your advice after asking the chat, do I go with the home whites or do I stick with the 2-0 and o, uh, blue? Everyone said stick with the 2-0, and o, stick with the blue. Well, I did, but then I put the whites on after the first period. Kind of tried to change it up, and uh, it took an extra period, but it ended up coming around. So now I guess the question is, do I go back and start the game with the blue again? And sort of in case of emergency, break glass to the white? You can let me know in the comments, and while you're doing that, hit the thumbs up, and if you haven't already, subscribed on that. Any take on that, Reem? I mean, I did have to, uh, I, I did resort to thinking maybe we made the wrong decision and went to the white, and it ended up, it ended up in victory. I'm now somewhat conflicted as to whether I stick with the starting jersey and then go to it, or do we just make the move to white because the white turned the series around? I don't know, man. I, whatever you think uh, feels good. Uh, whatever, whatever you feel best in. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm that superstitious. I mean, Rick again was ragging on me on Twitter for pointing Poking on the, the bear. McDavid had zero. I'm like, I didn't poke the bear. It's McDavid. He's gonna get points if I do anything or not. It doesn't actually affect. So whatever you feel good in. I'm not even give, sure. I'm not even sure if anyone actually told him on the bench that you tweeted that. McDavid. Yeah. <laughs> My friend, actually, my when the Jet Oilers were up four one, my friends were like you, Remus, you had the worst tweet of all time, pointing out that McDavid is a bad player. I was like, I never said that. I just, I'm just shocked that he had zero points in two games, so I had to tweet it out. And uh, there they were. I mean, it's amazing. McDavid three points, Drysaitel three points, and um, it's crazy that uh, the Jets. You know, I thought they weren't gonna have the firepower, but Edmonton kind of sat back, and the Jets had chances. Um, Shifley. Had a post. Wheeler. Okay, Wheeler. When was the last time you saw him taking one-timers like that? He had one off, I think, uh, the crossbar. Oh, the, the crossbar. Post. That was an absolute sizzler. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's so I'm trying to keep uh, keep up with the chat here. Someone says stay true with blue, but, uh, I mean, they had so many chances. And, and you kind of felt like they were always in, and they weren't out before 4-1. You just think that's such a tough deficit. But, uh, uh, they uh, again, they had the belief. They didn't give up, and it was great to hear their uh, their post game. And they said that, yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get these clips ready. We're gonna go through the anatomy of a comeback here on Winnipeg Sports Talk before we bring the IC boys in and chop it up before Game Four this evening. Um, big thanks to our great sponsors, not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGilvery. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not Team? And if you're in a vehicle right now or a lease you're looking to move on from, they'll help you get maximum value for it with their very successful consignment program. Looking for a Tesla, Struck, SUV, they've got it all. Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGillivray, or check them out online at not.ca. Of course, it is another Jets game night. I had the pizza flights and wings from Boston Pizza. It was absolutely elite. But if maybe you've got more than just a, a person or two, you can go with the game day meal, a couple large pies, the spicy pierogi, the meteor, and a case of 24 of Boston's delicious wings. Um, no dining in right now, unfortunately. We'll get back to those BP lounges soon. Right now, though, takeout and delivery, or you can order online at bostonpizza.ca. And... We might have a little bit of a playoff run going on here. So for those of you that didn't stock up on your whites and jets gear beforehand, you certainly can still now. At Royal Sports, 650 Rally Nikkei, 750 Pemina Highway, 
Uh, and while you're in there, you can check out the bikes, disc golf, soccer, baseball, all the streetwear, and more as your sports superstore here in Winnipeg at 650 Rally Nikkei and 750 Pembina Highway. All right, Remo, let's go back to last night. <clears throat> we go into the third period. These calls are from our good friend Paul Edmonds, longtime voice of the Jets, now on CGOB and working with Jamie Thomas on uh, for, uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, it didn't look good for the Jets when Jujar Kara put the Oilers up 4-1 in the third period, and it looked like we were going to be uh, going to game four with a 2-1 series lead. Jujar Kara for Archibald. He shifts down inside that Winnipeg and slipped and fell. Loose puck goes back in behind the net. First one to it there is Devin Shore. Back to where the line for Larson. Let a shot go. They score. Deflected in front. Maybe Jujar Kara, and it's 4-1 Edmonton. So uh, at that point, Reem, I don't think there was a lot of people that were thinking that there was going to be a miracle coming forth. And um, I don't know about you. I mean, I kind of like the push the Jets had early on. But once Edmonton got that goal to make it 4-1, it really did seem like, you know, we were going to game uh, game four with a 2-1 lead. But at the same time, these games have been so close. I'm not sure anyone could have really expected or imagined what was about to happen. Yeah, I think I want to say it took the energy out of the building, but there was no one there. But I know in my <laughs> household, uh, I started looking ahead. I'm like, okay, you know, two one, they'll be in good shape. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But then it was that uh, that Josh Archibald penalty where they got a power play, and he went low on Logan Stanley. What and an you idiot. can't do that. You can't do that, Josh Archibald. He got uh, you know called by player safety, uh, one game suspension. He won't be in the lineup. Tonight, and Perot said after the game, it gave them some motivation. Um, you know that they, you know, they want to get, you know, score a goal to say, "Hey, man, you can't low bridge our guy." It's pretty, and I thought it was pretty dirty at the time as well. Nice to see player safety didn't opt for the five thousand fine. I thought some people uh, would think that. But yeah, I, I wasn't sure, you know, without, you know, a long rap sheet or whatever, you think maybe that that will happen. But um, and for what it's worth, I listened to the post game for a little bit in Edmonton last night. I was listening to Dusty this morning um, with his program. Rashog was on. Archibald is just getting killed in Edmonton yeah. right now. I mean, well, listen, it was a dirty play. I mean, you don't want one of your players doing that anytime. Um, but to do it in that situation and then have what happened afterwards um, there's little doubt that he is the GOAT right now for the Edmonton Oilers. So with Archibald in the penalty box, the Jets figured, well, let's see if we can start a comeback here. Came back to where the line, it's held by Ehlers. Floated back to where the line now, beyond far side, slap shot, stop, rebound, they're banging away at it, they score! Matthew Perot on the far side, three cracks for a quarter, it's a power play goal! And Winnipeg's within two. It's 4-2 Edmonton. You know, and still lots of time um, left in the game at that point. Now, I mean, the Jets didn't have, you know, hadn't had a ton of glorious scoring opportunities. And it still seemed like it was a long, long road back, Reem. But, you know, a goal like that after a penalty like that, um, it really did seem to galvanize the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, the Oilers showed that they, you know, they still have a ways to go when it comes to maturity as a team, um, because the way they reacted to that goal was, um, <laughs> well, was pretty much the exact opposite of what you want uh, if you're an NHL head coach, or in this case, if you're Dave Tippett. Yeah, um, and a great goal. I mean, that power play, too, uh, had been going so well. 
uh, with Nikolai Ehlers earlier scoring. Um, you know, Kopp, uh, Pionk, Perot, and Dubois. And it was Dubois' one-timer that started that, uh, that play. Took a one-timer, the puck's loose, bouncing around. Almost kind of like the dry saddle goal where, you know, the puck's, you know, bounces and um, Perot was in there. I think banked it off a defenseman and in, but, I mean, hey, that's what you need. Um, you know, you put pucks on net and you bang it around and Perot was there. And he's been so good uh, playing on the fourth line. He was reunited with uh, Lewis and Thompson now that Ehlers was back and Dubois is back as well. So, just uh, and then so they had four two. You're like, okay, maybe there's some life here. I mean, if you get one before the final minute, you pull a goal. You always, I think you always have a shot if you're down a goal in the final minute. Well, and you make a good point. I mean, how that? I mean, again, that was a power play goal. They're putting things on net. They're trying to you know take advantage of the man advantage and you know get on a loose puck that the Oilers couldn't, and that's exactly what happened. But I think that did kind of show the Jets that you know at this point there's no time to you know try to create pretty plays. Let's push it towards the net. Put the pucks on net, and if you don't have it, go to the net in places that you know you can generate these dirty goals. That's exactly what Captain Blake Wheeler did just a couple minutes after Matthew Pro scored. He opens up to the near side for Shifley. Back for Morrison. Slap shot. Stop. Rebound. They score. Blake Wheeler on the putback rebound. Two quickies for Winnipeg, and it's a one-goal hockey game again at 4-3 Edmonton. Five and a half to go in the third. Do not go away. <laughs> Paul Edmonds on CGOB last yeah. night with the call. Blake Wheeler closing the gap to 4-3. And at that point, Reem, people were looking around at their friends, if they were with anybody, their families, going, wait a second, could could this happen? And I think people were literally just getting comfortable with the fact that, hold on a second, this is a game again, and we're going to be going right down to the final buzzer. The funny thing was, though, that the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, the euphoria of the third goal had barely worn off before another one went in behind Mike Smith. And they were still announcing it. And, I, and again, I think the Oilers kind of sat back. And Mike Smith, I mean, he's been very good, but he's not Connor Hellebuck. And that's so you get shots. And uh, Morrissey, I think, who's been criticized for his shooting, you know, got the one-timer. He doesn't have the hardest shot, but got it right on the pad. And Blake was crashing the net. Like, literally, like, could not have been scripted better right on his stick. And I think that's a play if I'm playing, like, EA Sports NHL, and that happens to me, like, goes right to the guy's stick. I'm like, this game is, is rigged. How could it go on a stick? But Wheeler uh, going hard, stick on the ice, um, and puts it in the back of the net. Uh, it's crazy. You're like, oh, my God, we, we got a game. Like, could, could this happen? Now, and- Dave, Tippett, Dave Tippett at that point considered a timeout. It was just after six minutes left in the game, and he knew that there would be the TV timeout on the next whistle. So what does he do? He puts out his top guns, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid. They're on the ice, I believe with Pujarvi, um, to begin that shift. And, and essentially, they needed to get them through to another whistle. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen. The captain got it on his stick, Connor McDavid. He turned it over. The next thing you knew, it was being cycled back to Josh Morrissey, and then this happened. Winnipeg will scramble after it again. Back toward the line. Morrissey waits. Morrissey shoots. He scores! Josh Morrissey beat Smith with a wrist shot from the point. And Winnipeg has come back to tie it at four. Unbelievable! <laughs> I yeah. want to run through a wall right now listening to Paul with these calls. Um, 
I, it was insane. 16 seconds between the two goals, Reem. We go from 4-2 to 4-4. And at that point, the Edmonton Oilers were absolutely reeling. And to be honest, never really recovered from it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about the party dangle, the Pullman dangle. How about the Morrissey, like, toe drag? Goes to shoot, does a little shuffle back, gets a lane. Andrew Kopp screening Mike Smith. <laughs> Again, not the hardest shot. It's on net, and it's in a spot where he can uh, he can see it. And, um, yeah, I mean, in the back of that. So I'm taking care of some stuff uh in the chat here, people need to. Uh, yeah, we calm. got a few. We got a few. Pe- people need to calm here. down. Uh, like <laughs> literally, the people have been talking about like the broadcast instead of the game for twenty five minutes. Like, <laughs> I need to. I need to take care of a couple of things. So <laughs> together. Well, so, listen, and so I get, again, and you're like, wow, four four, like holy crap. And then I, I actually thought, I'm like, okay, well they tied. I, they actually had time to win it. If they would have won in regulation, uh, it would have st- even been more insane to have four goals in the third period there. So. Uh, it was, I mean, I'm, ba- I literally bounced down texting my friends, like, let, like LFG, just like nonstop, like, let's fucking go. And we're going, cra- <laughs> like, going crazy. Like my wife's looking at me, like, I'm like, I'm nuts, like screaming. And it, it did happen so fast. Uh, it was, it was, what an experience. 16 seconds and, uh, it was tied and then the Jets had all the momentum and, you know, it was interesting starting off over time. I can't say enough about the Adam Lowry line along with Cop and Appleton going up against McDavid, they basically spent that first 45 seconds in the Oilers' zone. I think they really set the tone um, and obviously took care of their top players and allowed the Winnipeg Jets to come in. And uh, Nikolai Ehlers, a guy that at the beginning of his career was you know, taking heat for not producing in the playoffs, uh, became an Jet playoff legend last night with uh, with this overtime winner. This is how it sounded on CGOB last night with Paul Edmonds on the call. Stastny will take the draw. He'll win it back out into where the slot and the shot. They score! Nikolai Ehlers off the faceoff. His second goal of the night. What a return for Nikolai. The dashing Dean wins it in overtime tonight. And the Winnipeg Jets take a stranglehold on this series and send Edmonton to the break tomorrow night. What a finish in downtown tonight, baby! (laughs) One of the great calls of Paul's career, and there has been a lot of them. Um, The energy, the excitement that you hear from Paul was um, pretty much shared, I think, by everyone around the the Jet Nation, if you will. Um, Just the fact that that happened, and as I said, I woke up this morning, I had to pull up the app, check the scores, and make sure that that wasn't just a dream because it seemed almost inconceivable, but in fact, it is reality. And Remo, it is important to note that as great as everyone's feeling right now after that big win, um, as improbable as the comeback was last night for the Jets, they got it done. This job is not finished, and now they've got an opportunity to finish the job tonight um, and do it in four games, give themselves a little bit of rest before the next round. Um, because the one thing that you don't want to do, much like the Oilers did to the Jets last night, is give a team that seems to be down and out a lifeline and an opportunity to come back. Man, and you talk about Nikolai Ehlers. I know people are getting on him for his performance in the 2018 playoffs. I know that he he didn't score, but I mean, I thought he I was at all the games. I thought he looked great going up and down the ice. He had a lot of shots. 
And I don't know what it's been. He said he's watched. I remember after that, he said he watched all tape of all of his games. I think he's worked on his shot. And um, yeah, it's really shown this season. He's emerged. Uh, you know, some people are saying Mitch Marner, best winger in the North. I mean, you look at the impact one player, Nikolai Ehlers, had on this team yesterday, giving them another dynamic line. Because in game one, it was all, I felt like it was all on the Shifley Connor uh, Wheeler line. They did a lot of damage. I know it was, uh, well, like a 2 1 or 4 1 game after those empty netters. But you really felt like you had another line. And JP mentioned this yesterday that they're looking for the Ehlers, um, you know, matchup against the Oilers' bottom lines, which aren't as strong. And. There was yesterday, Ehlers, you know, with two. Again, I know two are on the power play. And you have to wonder, going into tonight, does Ehlers get more time on power play two? Because we've seen, you know, there was one instance earlier where power play one is out the whole time, and they're kind of passing around. Well, and that's why Maurice went and started the next power play mm-hmm. with the second unit, if you will. Um, it was pretty obvious that Nick Ehlers was feeling it last night. And to be honest, if, if you didn't know, if there were no numbers, if you were just, you know, you went and watched the two power plays work, I think it was safe to say that the unit that scored was getting, you know, was feeling it a little bit more, was being more effective, more efficient, creating more, and they ended up scoring last night. So, listen, I think that was just a good choice by Paul Maurice to, uh, you know, to to realize, you know, who he had going, what he wasn't getting early on from the uh, or the number one power play unit, and go there with the um, with the other two. All right, this is going to be so much fun. We're going to get a four box up. We're going to get the IC guys in here. Remote, while you do that, I will. Uh, Give a big plug to our friend Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. And you know what? I have a feeling if anyone was around here on Friday, we had an epic Winnipeg Sports Talk moment where we gave away a Jets DQ cake via Marble Race, won by Sheriff Gregory Liverpool, uh, which gave us no shortage of content over the course of the last few days with Greg picking the cake up, uh, putting it in the back seat of the car with a seatbelt on, treating it like the Stanley Cup. Uh, we could have another moment of magic a little bit later on. So if you're with us right now, make sure to stay till the end of the program, and we will have some fun and give away another one of those. Um, and by the way, the new drumstick blizzard might be the best one they've ever created. Pop by any one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And... No better way to celebrate a Jets win than with an ice-cold 1919 or one of the new beers from Little Brown Jug. We've got the new Summer Lager. Look at that right there. And, of course, the Hefeweizen, which goes invisible when I show it in front of the green screen. Um, It's all there right now, and they relaunched the website, making it even easier to order beer online, and they will deliver it directly to you with their home delivery program. Simply just go to littlebrownjug.ca, check out the entire site, some merchandise, all sorts of information on their wonderful products, and pick it up or grab a case of 1919 or the variety pack at your nearest bottle shop or beer store. Um, i got to give a shout-out to Breezy Bend. Um, You know, Breezy has been great sponsor of ours and you know we always get into our golf reports today and i have to almost apologize to phil mickelson um and all the golf fans right now because were it not for that ridiculous comeback last night and this game tonight 
we probably would have spent about half the show today talking about Phil's incredible victory at age 50 in the PGA Championship. But uh, maybe we'll get Z-Man or one of the guys on over the course of the next few days to talk about it. It's a story that won't go anywhere, uh, but absolutely inspirational and incredible. So well done, Lefty. And a big thanks to Breezy Ben for their support. Cannot wait to get out there. Looks like the weather's getting a bit nicer. So um, as soon as we get some of these rules laxed out a bit, we'll be back on the golf course in no time. Uh, And of course, end of the program, right around the marble races, we'll also make our first picks, daily picks for Cinnaboy Downs, because tonight is the beginning of live racing out at the track, albeit with no fans. Um, All right, Reem, how are we doing here? Can we uh, we crank this up and welcome in the notorious boys from the illegal curve? Aha, look who's here. Ezzy, Drew, I see. What is up, guys? How are you? Good afternoon, happening, Huss. Huss. How you doing, brother? Oh, you know what? I'm. I'm <laughs> Inhale, exhale. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I was. Um, I'm almost delirious after everything that happened last night. I mean, obviously checked out your guys' show afterwards, and Kenny and Rennie, and you know, it's quite obvious by the numbers of people that were joining you guys last night, the numbers that we've got in here on a day off, a holiday that. I mean, that victory last night cranked up an already excited fan base to a whole nother level. Um, But Drew, let me start with you. I mean, just uh, encapsulate, if you will, what we saw last night, because, um, you know, 12 hours later, I still, part of me still can't believe what happened. You know, the Josh Archibald awokened a beast. I mean, that's, you know, as simply as I can put it, the Jets, you know, that game was over. The Jets, you know, there was no sign of life coming out of the Winnipeg Jets before Archibald decided to go into business for himself and and try and take out Logan Stanley. You know, there was no evidence that the Jets were mounting a push. There was no, you know, evidence that the Jets were beginning to, you know, shift the tide of that game. I think at four-one with eight and a half minutes to go, most everybody was just expecting the game to end relatively meekly, and we'd be talking about a pretty important game for, the, uh, you know, this afternoon or later tonight. And instead, Josh, Josh Archibald decided he wanted to be a selfish player, and obviously he does, does, doesn't realize it's going to result in the Jets getting four unanswered goals, but them's the breaks, and that's the risk you take when you just give a team a little bit of life or a little bit of a spark. And as a result, the Winnipeg Jets got the second goal, and then Blake Wheeler jumps on that juicy rebound from Mike Smith to make it 4-3. And then Connor McDavid, the greatest player in the NHL today, decides to give a free pizza, shout out Claude Noel, to Adam Lowry, if I'm not mistaken, Lowry to Morrissey, and Morrissey, you know, a shot that Mike Smith needs to save, but look, it's four all, and everybody, you know, sitting at home in Winnipeg is just, you know, Will Ferrell in old school, what just happened, I passed out, and all of a sudden he's won the debate, and, you know, obviously Ehlers in overtime wins at 5-4 for the Jets. Just an incredible, incredible turn of events. No, it certainly was, and the Archibald penalty... I was saying before you guys came on, I was talking to Dustin Nielsen this morning and listening to his program out in Edmonton, and Archibald is just absolutely getting savaged right now. Yeah. Fans, media, everybody. But at the end, I mean, it, never mind how dumb it was and what it did to the game. That's the sort of hit that they don't want in the game. It was dirty. It was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, and it really ended up costing the Edmonton Oilers. And um, and as now coming out of all the, the bedlam and delirium on the Jets side of things, from an oiler perspective, they don't have a lot of time to pick up the pieces and try and get back on track in uh, what seems to be almost an insurmountable deficit. 
Yeah, I would agree with that, Huss. We know the the stats, right? Only four teams have come back uh, in history from down three nothing, so it's pretty much over. Uh, you know, I, I think the Jets are going to finish it off tonight, and it's going to be tough, right? Because you have to think. We know that the Jets. It was announced earlier today, uh, reported uh, by you know Mike McIntyre Weber that, that there aren't going to be any changes for the Jets. No surprise there. Not sure. I haven't seen if there are going to be any changes for the Oilers, but there's nobody that the Jets can. Pardon me. The, the Oilers can put back into the lineup us that's really going to you know change anything and you know obviously you know Drew touched on the the stupidity of that Archibald hit like guys I don't know how that was called a tripping penalty first of all like that, that was <laughs> I like I was calling it Huss like a chop block on the illegal curve post game show I don't know how you call that a trip and we were saying that you know we were surprised it wasn't a five minute major and you know a couple of hours ago you know the NHL Department of Player Safety comes out and says that Archibald is suspended for a game and absolutely nobody is surprised by that as you said Huss it's just a really dirty hit that the NHL wants to take out of the game so it's going to be really tough for the Oilers uh, not only to to win tonight but to come back in this series and just wanted to throw in there as well guys like you know Huss we were texting during the game and after Ehlers scored that goal on the power play to make it a a 2-1 game you know the the dagger the killer was Cassian scoring one minute later so you're thinking like oh this is just brutal because you're thinking the Jets are going to be down one going into the second period because of course that goal was late in the second period right uh and and then obviously Jujar Harris scores in the period and and then you're thinking okay now it's now if that was the dagger you know that was the the double dagger so it was the way in which the the Jets came back uh you're just thinking that game was completely over and and just give the leadership group in this credit uh, and this team credit right like I don't think it, it was a coincidence that all of the goals that were scored to tie the game were coming from Jets veterans obviously you know Wheeler and Perot are older than than Josh Morrissey but Morrissey's a veteran guys you know I mean he keeps getting older we keep getting older unfortunately as well but you know that goal I agree with Drew Mike Smith has to to have that but you know give Lowry a lot of credit credit here for you know protecting that puck along the boards finding a wide open Morrissey and and Morrissey you know having the the smarts to just put that puck on net hus because Smith was completely rattled at that point um and then it was on from there Ehlers scores the beauty in overtime and it was not just one of the best games in Jets history boys like it was one of the best games period I I've, I've, I've seen in a long time in terms of a comeback. Well, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I saw the NHL tweeting out earlier today that in NHL history, no team had ever come back from a three-goal deficit in the final mm-hmm. 10 minutes of a game to win in overtime and take a 3 nothing lead in a series. So, uh, yeah, a few firsts last night. Uh, Drew, where do you come in on, like, where does this leave the Oilers going into tonight? What do you expect to see from Edmonton once we drop the puck in game four? I expect the Jets to come out, you know, with a rocket strapped to their back. And I think the real, you know, and the, you know, the the determining factor for tonight's game, I think, is going to be the first 10 minutes. I expect the Jets to come out absolutely guns ablaze. And like I said, and if Mike Smith can hold the fort in the course of those 10 minutes, you know, and maybe it's not a full 10 minutes, but you know what I'm saying. If Mike Smith can hold the fourth, then I think it this game could be very well anybody's game. But if the Jets are able to get a goal or get a couple goals early in this contest, then I think the Oilers are going to fold their tents and, and, and head back home. But, it, it, you know, and, and I akin it to... A couple of years ago, the Jets and the and the Leafs, if I recall correctly, opened the series the season here in Winnipeg, and the Jets were absolutely on fire to start the game. The first ten minutes, I think Freddie Anderson made about you know five or six just absolute robbery saves, and then the Leafs got the first goal, and I think they ended up winning the game five one. 
I, I, that's what I'm sort of expecting from the Jets is that they're going to be absolutely on fire to start. And the question is, can Mike Smith keep the Oilers in the fight long enough for the team behind, in front of him to sort of get their skating legs and sort of withstand that first punch from the Winnipeg Jets? Because if they if he doesn't, then you know the Oilers. Are, I mean, look, if they end up you know wilting very easily tonight would anybody surprised would anybody be surprised they were absolutely shell-shocked you saw dry and mcdavid in the post-game uh interview they looked like they were absolutely stunned as to what happened and it's hard to sort of find that pushback again especially so soon after you know it, it happened you don't get you know 24 or you don't get 48 hours or 72 hours to think about it and sort of put it behind you that's still you know crushing you when the when the puck drops for tonight's game. So that's what I'm looking for in the first 10 minutes. How do the Jets come out, and can the Oilers sort of withstand that push from the Jets to start tonight's contest? You are listening to Winnipeg Sports Talk or viewing Winnipeg Sports Talk daily. If you're with us live on YouTube right now, hit that like button and uh, make sure you subscribe. We've got a lot of new people in here. Great to have you with us. We are in conversation with Drew Mandel and Ezra Ginsburg of Illegal Curve. You're going to want to, if you haven't already, many of you probably already are loyal listeners and viewers of the IC guys, but make sure to bang that sub button on their YouTube channel as well. Um, and check out the post game show right after the game tonight via legalcurve.com and on YouTube. Ezzy, I love this, Huss. It's like a TSN 1290 reunion. Like, are we on Pemina Highway right now? Let's go. Yeah, no, we basically no, just the, these studios the are a lot nice. These studios are a lot nicer than the pieces of garbage we sat in on <laughs> uh, on Pemina Highway for a decade. Yeah, and you, but, and you for the record, there, and you for the record are in an electrical closet right now, so that does speak <laughs> to what we were dealing with back on uh, back on Pemina. There's less asbestos in the room that I'm in right now than the asbestos that we had to put up with uh, at uh, our old dear departed uh, home. <laughs> hey, just for a moment, um, before we get back to the conversation, for those with us on YouTube, if you want to check the four shot, this is an incredible eye into the world of Winnipeg Sports Talk. This is apparently how Remus works during the day, and he does not use a chair. He sits on the floor. Uh, this <laughs> I have to admit, I, seeing the wide shot of the Remus Dome and WST Command Center. Um, it looks even funnier from uh, from the side. Remo- well, you know what the saddest part is? He actually stole his toddler's son's table, apparently, to use for today's show. Like, you know, buddy, IKEA is still open. Go invest in a table and stop stealing your kids' your kids' no, toys. He built him a car. He traded the table for the car. Hey, so once the this car is an got IKEA built- lack, it's an IKEA lack table. This is a Calax uh, next. Well, I'll tell you, what, I'm set the, up here. The guy using the table certainly lacks in something. I'm not 100 percent sure what it is, but. Uh, you know, it's it's aptly named that you're using it there, Remo. <laughs> uh, um, back to the Jets, Ezzy. Who? Uh, listen, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the guys that scored the goals. Um, was there an unsung hero or two in last night's win that we aren't talking about that we should be? That's a really good question, Huss. And you know, we obviously talked a lot about Nick Ehlers on the post game show. We talked a lot, a lot about Paul Stastny. I thought Pierre-Luc Dubois quietly had a really good game. And I know you guys were talking about that right before we came on the Stastny uh, Dubois-Ehlers line. But, you know, let's be honest, guys. Like, Dubois really struggled down the stretch 
for the Jets. Like, what was it? I forget if it was 10 games or 11 games that Dubois didn't have a point to end the regular season. And we knew that Dubois, you know, has the history, right? Like Drew's talked about that quite a bit on, on the Saturday show and the post-game shows. Like Dubois was an absolute monster in last year's playoffs against the Leafs. And I, I thought, you know, let's not forget, guys, right before Nick Ehlers scores that goal, the first goal, I should mention the first goal on the power play, Pierre-Luc Dubois, basically his shot caused Mike Smith's stick to go behind the net. And I remember, you know, at the time watching that, thinking like, Oilers, guys, like get Smith's stick back. Because as you know, Huss and Drew and Remo, all of us, right? Like we've watched enough hockey and played hockey. When a goalie doesn't have his stick, it's it's like you're you're the goalie's pretty much naked. Like he needs his stick out there to to well, guide them. As he just on that on that note, um, we've got to give some credit to Matthew Perot as well. You want to talk about veteran Moxie? Did you see the way he sort of <laughs> skated into yeah. the crease? And you know he didn't kick it, but the way he turned it, he made a point yeah. of. You know, just helping it move a little farther yeah. out. And to be yeah. honest, that ended up being somewhat pivotal in the fact that Smith never got the stick until he was fishing a puck out of behind him. Absolutely, Huss. Right before well, that you know, goal, I... he almost, you know, hey, Drew, it's my turn right now. You got your turn. Um, right, be- right before Nick Ehlers scored that goal on the power play, um, you could, as you said, Mike Smith was really close to picking a stick up. But um, look, at I, I thought Dubois was really solid all night long, like not just the two assist guys. And obviously, you know, you'd like Dubois to be scoring a little bit more. But obviously in this series, aside from game three, there haven't been a lot of goals on either side. Um, but Dubois was, was really solid. And, you know, it's not easy for a guy who, for the most part uh, in his NHL career, has played up the middle. I think he's been doing really well. And that's going to be important for the Jets guys you know as as we kind of you know look ahead we don't want to look too far past game four but I mean in the series against whoever it is the Leafs or the Habs they're going to need all lines going and and that I think has been the story here uh you know and Drew mentioned Adam Lowry you know we talked about that. I thought Lowry was really solid um you know I thought Josh Morrissey obviously had a, a really solid game so I mean there were there were a lot of guys Hus that that on the Jets that deserve a piece of this win this obviously wasn't you know just Nick Ehlers you know being uh, otherworldly. I mean, this this was a team come from behind effort. Blake Wheeler is another guy. Like, think of all the criticism Wheeler took early in the season, right, guys? With the and and you know some of it, uh, you know, was coming from us as well about you know his struggles at even strength. So, you know, this this entire Jets team deserves a lot of credit for this comeback win. Oh, Gregory's in the chat. That's what I call a little bit of trading trading paint that Ezzy did to Drew. I'm loving this. Hey, that's what you get it on IC all the time. We're bringing a little bit to a WST. And Not a, a boy, great, Greg. Great way to describe it, Greg. Great way to describe it. Um, I wonder Drew if Greg Huss has eaten that whole cake though, or if he still got some left. Because I mean, uh, you know what I was I talking cake, about the weekend. Exactly. I said he's trying to maintain his birthday's coming up next week, so I'm not sure whether he's saving it. It'll be impossible to do that. I'm I'm sure it's half gone already. Greg, you can give us an update on the cake status in the chat. Um, Drew, back to you. Um, For my money with Ezzy, I do like Pierre-Luc Dubois because, yes, he was taking some heat. Um, We've been waiting for him to sort of emerge as more of the impact player that was promised when he came over in the trade. I thought he got better throughout the game, and I thought that first goal really was important in giving him a bit more confidence. And, I mean, just being back on the line with Nikolai Ehlers seems to make such a difference, really, for anybody playing with Ehlers, to be honest. But um, from your perspective, um, is there a player or two that we haven't been talking about that we should be for their role in last night's comeback win? 
Well, you know, you know what I'm looking at, you know, towards the end of the game last night, say the last, you know, five, seven, eight minutes of the third period and overtime, the line of Lowry, Cop, and Appleton. I don't know if it was a deliberate switch by Paul Maurice. I don't know if it was just circumstances, but they seem to get the McDavid Dreisaitl matchup Big time. You know, in the last 10 minutes of the third period and then overtime. And they won that matchup. And especially in overtime, there were a couple shifts huh. where where Lowry and, and Appleton and Cop kept the puck in the in the Oilers zone. And, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl, et cetera, were playing defense. Anytime you can keep those guys in their defensive zone as opposed to the offensive zone, it's a win. And so that's what I'm, you know, that was a, a big takeaway for me for the towards the end of the game last night. And that's what I'm looking at for tonight's contest as well to see if Paul Maurice goes with cop uh, Lowry, Appleton as the matchup, because I think he will, because I also think that just frees up Shifley, Connor and Wheeler to really do some damage against what we know is, is not, uh, you know, an up to snuff Oilers depth players. And cop Lowry and Appleton certainly didn't look out of place at all against McDavid and Dreisaitl. So I would go with that. I thought that was a, a certainly a key turning point, not a turning point in the game, but a key aspect of the Jets comeback is the ability to play a number of shifts with the Oilers big guns on the ice in the Oilers zone that's so important because you know you know when you're pushing for a comeback like that you need to keep the puck in their zone if you know the Oilers come back and they get some chances then you know they're they're feeling a lot better about themselves as opposed to wave after wave after wave of the Winnipeg Jets being in the Oilers zone and I think Connor pardon me Cop. Lowry and Appleton had a lot to do with the comeback, as uh, uh, you know, and, and that being a factor. So that's what I'm looking for in tonight. And I think they were a little unsung in in. I mean, they always get credit because we know how good they are. But being able to keep those guys in the in a non dangerous spot and in order to be able to neutralize or at least mitigate M- McDavid and Drysaddle is a huge factor for the Winnipeg Jets. No, you're exactly right. And I mean, listen, what they did in the third period was important. But I, I thought, and you nailed it. I mean, that first shift of overtime going mm-hmm. up head to head, they spent 45, 50 seconds in the Oilers' zone. And then Dreisaitl and McDavid changed. And what's ironic about the whole thing is the best opportunities the Oilers had in that overtime period were players down the lineup. Yamamoto had a real good shot. He's been, you know, diminished down to, you know, the fourth line or whatever. So, um, you know, they didn't, what opportunities were there were not done by the top dogs, the guys that are really going to kill you. And the credit for that, Ezzy, really does start with, Cop, Lowry, and Appleton. And I got to tell you, as good as Matthew Pro's been and as strong as that pairing of Appleton and Lowry has been, the line just has a different dynamic to it when Andrew Cop is back with them and they're running as they have been all season long. Yeah, and I agree with Drew 100%. Like Cop, Lowry, Appleton, we know that they're, uh, you know, a, a solid line. They've been good when they've been together this year and in previous years. But yeah, they they were right up there with the McDavid line. And and that McDavid line, let's let's be honest, they were like they were really good last night. And you know, we talked about this on the post-game show. Like it was really dry sidle. Like yeah, McDavid, you know, gets a couple of assists and and obviously, you know, he was really good, but you know, dry sidle was the one that was Turning, he was taking that game and putting it on his back for the Oilers. And I wanted to throw this in there, Huss. Like, you know, I realized that, you know, Hallebuck let in four goals, and you just mentioned Kaylor Yamamoto. Like, he had an excellent chance in overtime, you know, shortly before Ehlers scored the game winner. And you remember, he made a flurry of saves. Like, right at the end of that game, the Oilers were making their push, hoping that, you know, the game wouldn't head to overtime. The one that sticks out was that deflection by Ryan Nugent Hopkins, right? So uh, Hallebuck was excellent. Like, you don't think in a game in which you allow four goals, but 
you know, he made 40 plus saves in that game and he was really solid. So I think Hellebuck also deserves a lot of credit. Obviously, you know, we've been talking a lot about Hellebuck, you know, uh, all season long and all playoffs long because he was way better than Mike Smith during the first two games. And that's saying a lot because Smith was, was really solid, but there's no doubt that with Ehlers back in the lineup guys, like it's just makes so much sense to put Cop Lowry and Appleton back. And then you've got Perot down on the fourth line. Like now that the Jets are healthy again and they've got Ehlers and Dubois back, you can really see how much better the Jets forward depth is than the Oilers. Like the Oilers defense and the Jets defense, like I'll hear an argument that maybe the Oilers defense is a little bit stronger, you know, with Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry. I think Adam Larson has quietly had a really good series. But in terms of forward depth, Huss, like I, I don't even think it's really close between the Jets and Oilers. Yeah, well, forward depth, it certainly isn't. Um, You know, defensive depth is a little bit of a different story. And obviously, this has been an incredible goaltending battle with Smith and um, um, Connor going head-to-head, you know, throughout. But that depth of the... the, And Drew, let me put this to you, because with Lowry, Appleton, and Kopp back together, and, you know, listen, we can't assume that everything will be as rosy as it was in the last eight minutes of the third period and overtime... I mean, Edmonton will come back. Connor McDavid will find a way. But if that is the way things shape up early on, and it is the Lowry line that gets the majority of that um, dry saddle McDavid matchup, it really, considering what else Edmonton has to roll out there at Ford, it creates some pretty juicy opportunities for Paul Maurice to get, you know, matchups that are very advantageous towards the Winnipeg side of things. That's why, to be perfectly honest, I was a little surprised he, Paul Maurice went best on best, best on best to to start the series, especially because of the way McDavid and Dreisaitl dominated Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler during the regular season. And I thought that was probably going to be a mistake that would bite the Jets in Game 1 and Game 2. Clearly it didn't, and mea culpa for me on, 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 that, on that process. But if you're going with Cop, Lowry, and Appleton against, against McDavid line tonight, McDavid Dreisaitl line, then you know Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler should feast. I mean, they should be. They should have the pick of the litter, you know, against against the rest of the Oilers forward group. I mean, no disrespect to them, but this is that would be an opportunity. That becomes an opportunity for for Connor Shifley and Wheeler to take over the game to prove that they can be for the Jets what McDavid and Drysital often are for the Oilers, almost a, a one line wrecking crew. Now the Jets are fortunate that they don't have only one line like the Oilers often do. So if, if that means that, you know, Shifley gets the Oilers fourth line, well, again, that should be 45 seconds to a minute spent in the Oilers zone and scoring opportunities coming alongside that. That shouldn't be a shift played in the Jets zone. That should be the Jets best offensive players or, you know, an argument to be made for Ehlers and, 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 you know, Dubois and Stasny and everything else, but that should be an opportunity for them to get good offensive zone time and really leave a mark on this game so that they can take advantage of that. I mean, that's the beauty of having the depth that the Jets have. That's why, you know, Paul Maurice hasn't been afraid to sort of roll his four lines through the first three games of this series. You haven't seen the Jets top guns with 30 minutes of ice time like you saw with McDavid and Dreisaitl, particularly in game two, less so last night because they were up 4-1 for a big chunk of that game. 
you know, that that's the beauty of having the depth that the Jets have. And as a result, take advantage of it. And they should, you know, if everything goes to according to plan, it might be a four game sweep. And lordy, lordy, <laughs> nobody was talking about that. Uh, um, as, before, as far as the, the top line goes, um, and you mentioned Wheeler earlier, I think he has been, I mean, frankly, I think he has been the driver of that line. Now, the other guys are obviously, you know, a little more fleet of foot and will carry the puck a little bit more. And I think Kyle Connor is due to break out. I mean, he's had some glorious opportunities and credit to Mike Smith for shutting it down. Um, and I think Shifley has been dangerous at times. Certainly his focus, you know, you know, with the increased responsibility going up against McDavid, that is going to take away some of the offense. But I just think what Blake Wheeler's bringing night in and night out to that right now is um, it's vintage Blake Wheeler. And there was a lot of worry that he'd lost something on his fastball from earlier this year. We knew that he was dealing with some things. But he's now playing the type of hockey that um, the Winnipeg Jets need from their captain and needless to say, scored a massive goal last night in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to, you know, that losing streak and, you know, losing the nine of, of 10 games and all of the criticism, a lot of it, you know, directed at players like Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley and the big guns, Pierre-Luc Dubois, we talked about earlier, he was being criticized. He wasn't putting the puck in the net. Remember Mason Appleton finally broke that long, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 18 or 19 games without a, a point. So I think it goes back to, you know, that and the fact that, you know, Wheeler, you know, you could see that he was frustrated and Paul Stastny Huss, we got to mention him because he was the one that said like, I think, you know, we were getting away with a lot. If I'm not mistaken, he said something along the lines of, you know, we were cheating the game a little bit. You know, the Jets win those last couple regular season games and yeah, they were meaningless against Vancouver and and uh, Toronto, but regardless, you know, they needed those wins. Yeah, they weren't to meaningless to the Jets. I think it's pretty clear that they did need that. We saw the way that they played and went into the Toronto game and a lot of people were very critical um, and listen, you can only rest or bench so many guys. And it was unfortunate what happened with Dubois. Um, you know, my Matthews played in that game, but you know, Marner didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, they needed some results. And even though, cause I think the couple games before that, they actually were doing more of the things that they needed to do, but they weren't getting those results. And, you know, at a certain po- at point, you know, you need some things to go your way. You need some positive reinforcement. And, um, Drew, they seem to get that, but I I will say this. It is still somewhat stunning. You know, for all the talk about can you turn a switch on, um, I guess they were slowly trying to get it on in the final (laughs) week of the regular season, but it's pretty safe to say if you watch this team through 56 games and then watch the three games of this series against the Edmonton Oilers, you might be wondering who these guys are wearing the Winnipeg Jets jerseys compared to what we saw at times throughout the regular campaign. Well, I, I would say it's game one and game two more than game three because we always knew they could score. And so there was never any question about the Jets' offense. The question was, can they be defensively responsible? And I don't think they were particularly defensively responsible last night. I mean, they, they, they weren't horrendous like we had seen during the during the losing streak, but they weren't anything to write home about. They were very similar defensively with, you know, in defensive... Well, to me, it was the discipline you know, last defensive night. Conscious, it was the fact that they got uh, penalty trouble similar. early on in the first period, which completely changed the game. I mean, you, you do that, and then obviously you're yeah, changing sure, you the game. Go, you're maybe needing a little bit more... Um, you know, taking a few more chances, if you will, going away from that chess match that we saw in games one and two. 
Absolutely. But if you had told anybody before the series starts that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be able to play game one and game two in the manner in which they played it, where they were so defensively responsible, where they you know give up one goal in those two games combined, people would have thought you were absolutely nuts. I mean, and that's the it was the attention to detail. And, and we talked about this on Saturday's Legal Curve Hockey Show, and we talked about this before the series started, that for me, it was the Jets' attention to detail that was going to be the, the, the determining factor in the game. It was ensuring that when you're dumping the puck in, you're dumping it in in such a way that Mike Smith isn't able just to go out, play it, and, and send it right back out to his defenseman, and it's an easy clear for the, for the Oilers. We'd seen that so many times in the nine games that the, the Jets and the Oilers played where Dumps were not strategic. It was a lazy dump in without any thought behind it. And, and no wonder it was out of the zone so quickly. Games one and two, you didn't see very much of that. You saw smart dump ins, and the Jets then went and they forechecked and they went and they got the puck and they went and they made it more difficult for the Oilers. Less so last night. And last night, you know, what happened last night is you can't be replicated. You can't replicate coming down, coming back from being down 4 1 with eight minutes to go in the game. That is a just uh, a, a series of events that are so bizarre that you're not going to see them happen again, probably for the entirety of this playoffs or even next year's playoffs necessarily. It's such a rare occurrence. But it was the attention to detail in game one and two that I think set stage for the Big Jets to have success, to be order they played as compared to so many of those regular season games. And I said this, you know, a month or six weeks ago on a legal curve that when it was clear the Jets were going to be a playoff team, it was going to be very difficult for them to play those last 10 or 15 games of the season. It was going to be really the dog days of summer. You know, when you're a major league baseball team and you've won a division by 13 games and there's still a month to play, you, you know, you lose your, that attention to detail. And the Jets have been able, to their credit, to regain that focus. And I wasn't sure they were going to be able to do it as well as they did in the first two games of the series. And I'm really interested to see tonight, can they sort of regain that defensive focus again? Because that is truly their ticket for long-term success. Because going down 4-1 and expecting a four-goal comeback is not something you're going to be able to succeed no, on on a point. regular basis. Hanging on a Winnipeg Sports Talk with the IC boys, Drew Mendel, Ezra Ginsberg. Uh, if you're in here and you're new, welcome. Great to have you. Huge numbers today. Ezzy always draws a crowd. Give us a uh, <laughs> thumbs up. Hit that red subscribe button. I feel like button. it's the rum hut hut. Yeah. <laughs> Just hanging around, talking about the game. You know, it's what we do here, right? And, uh, and definitely, if you're not already... Do the same with Illegal Curve. Search them up on YouTube and check them out after tonight's game. As that win last night wasn't just any win. We'll be talking about that one for years, assuming that the team's able to finish the job and move on. But for this playoff run, assuming they can win this series against Edmonton, what do you think a win like that does for the psyche of the team? We've heard a lot about the belief within the locker room. I can't imagine you could have something that could galvanize that more than a performance like last night's comeback. I, I agree 100%. And I think wins like that in in, in that fashion, right, coming down, uh, coming back, pardon me, down three goals, I, I mean, those are the types of, of victories you look back at on, on a nice long playoff run 
And, you know, you say like that was kind of the turning point where you thought or you knew that, you know, this Jets team could go further than just the first round. Right. And we obviously don't know who the Jets are going to face next round. And and it doesn't matter at this point because they still have to win, hopefully game four or at the very least close the series out here and win the fourth game of the series. But I I think it's really important, Huss, when you talk about the psyche, because, you know, again, I go back to that losing streak and, and the Jets losing nine of those 10 games. But let's be honest guys everybody seemed to be writing the jets off and it was like okay you know i saw people taking the oilers in four now the jets have a shot at sweeping the oilers right so i agree with drew i mean nobody saw this coming i, di- I didn't see anybody take the jets in four maybe some you know die maybe jesse pollock of tsn bar down took the jets in four uh, but i didn't see a lot of people taking the jets in four so I mean, I think a win like this can do a lot for this team. And, and and I do think, you know, the Jets can go further than than the second round. Yes, if they play Toronto, you're facing a, you know, high-powered offense, a team that loaded up prior to the trade deadline. And I know they don't have John Tavares. He's going to most likely be out for the rest of the playoffs. He's for sure going to miss the second round if they get that far. But I think a, a victory like this is huge because this series now is most likely going to be a short series. Again, we have no crystal ball. We don't know if the Jets are going to finish it off tonight. I think there is a good chance that they do finish it off tonight because the Oilers have to just be absolutely depressed right now, having to you know turn around 24 hours later and play the team that just mounted that epic co- comeback. So I agree with you, Huss. I think you know that is one of those games that we're going to be talking about for a long time, and I, I think it's something that the Jets can build off here because now you're thinking, okay, we, we've beaten the Oilers. This is a team that completely dominated us. McDavid, 22 points in nine games. We all know the numbers. And now, you know, they've kind of slayed that dragon. And yeah, they had some problems against the Leafs. But let's not forget, boys. I mean, the, the Jets had, uh, you know, that that incredible, you know, uh, road trip where they took five of six points from the Leafs. And yes, I, I don't forget that Connor Hellebuck was largely responsible and the, the Leafs badly outchanced. I already know what Drew's thinking in that little mind. He's thinking, yeah, well, you know, the Jets gave up uh, a lot of chances and, and Hellebuck, you know, stole at least one of those games, if not two of those games. But the point is... Those the Jets games have count played- too. Absolutely, they do. <laughs> and let's be let's be honest, guys. That That is who the Jets are this year. The Jets are a team that get outshot. They get outchanced. But on, on most nights, Connor Hellebuck is making 35, 40 saves and, and they're winning those games, you know, 4-3, 5-3. So we know that the Jets can play this type of style. And I agree with Drew when he talks about game ones and one and two. That, that was the biggest difference, that they can play that kind of early 2000s New Jersey Devils type of hockey where they can win 2-1 and one nothing. That was something that we didn't see a lot during the regular season this year. <laughs> Drew, put that to you um uh, the uh, long-term benefits during the playoff run of a win like we saw last night for a team that already um certainly looked that they were quite together but um there are some things that I think there'll be some lasting effects of this game between the ears of those players inside that room Look, it can't hurt. There's no downside to coming back and winning a game uh, like that. Uh, But I I don't think that it's going to have this incredible reverberation that's going to last series after series after series. If if they win it tonight and they win the series tonight, they're probably going to have at least five days off, maybe even a week off between games of where Beefs and the Habs are in, in, you know, big game three going tonight in that series. And it obviously already going to be a five game series there. That's going to have. I think I go back to what Paul Maurice has been preaching, you know, that what's his motto been, you know, for years now with this franchise, stay in the fight, stay in the fight. So the Jets clearly bought into that and have bought into that. 
so I, I think it helps, but I don't think that this is going to be, you know, a, a, a catalyst that they're going to yeah. be able to trail in every game <laughs> yeah, and obviously all of a sudden turn things around and get back into it. I, there's, it can't hurt, but I think, you know, playing a good 52 minutes of hockey is going to matter a lot more than playing a great eight minutes of hockey yeah, at the no, end of the I, game I'm when you're you down. Let me goals. ask you this one before we break. Um, Paul Maurice um, has had a, I mean, he's taken a lot of criticism and there was a lot of concern about what this team looked like going down the stretch um but three games in considering the way the team has played um the decisions that he's made up against dave tippett how much does the coach deserve credit for uh, where they're at right now he has out coached dave tippett and yeah there's, there's no question in my mind that paul maurice has out coached dave tippett and uh, admittedly, I'm not a huge Paul Maurice fan. I think that oftentimes he is too stubborn and, uh, you know, not talking about hot dogs and mustard and things of that nature. I think he he relies a little bit too much on his veterans and there were opportunities to get players into the lineup when they deserve to be in the lineup, even if it's just to spell his veterans. I didn't really understand, you know, running Derek Forbort game after game after game after game, especially when everybody could see that he was struggling and could probably use a couple games off that being said come playoff time he has been a better coach than Dave Tippett has behind the Oilers bench now Paul Maurice is also blessed with a better roster than Dave Tippett has so he's got more options but the confidence that he's shown in his forward group in particular in saying look I'm gonna roll my four forward lines I you guys I, I have trusted all of you to play you know a good chunk of minutes be it nine, 10 minutes, 11 minutes for the bottom line. And, and, you know, other than that, you know, he's been playing, you know, the top three lines, very reasonable minutes. He hasn't been driving them into the ground. He hasn't been running them ragged. Like, you know, and this is the third game in four night fight. So I'm curious to see, you know, how much do Dreisaitl and McDavid have left in the tank, especially after Dreisaitl played, you know, over 30 minutes in game, in game uh, two of this series. How much does McDavid have left? after going back to back and really playing a ton of minutes, you know, that, that is a luxury that Paul Maurice has at his disposal and he's used it well. He's used it better this year than in years past. So, you know, credit to the Winnipeg Jets head coach. I know he gets a ton of grief and I've certainly been one to criticize him, but he has outcoached Dave Tippett Guys, in this, this series. Guys, this has been uh, so much fun. Uh, obviously everybody fired up from uh, the game last night and, yeah, just an amazing crew with us live here on YouTube today. You can tell that playoff fever is alive and well here in Winnipeg. Um, late game tonight, but doing it for the people. You guys will be there afterwards, hopefully yeah. talking about round number two. Um, uh, fill us in, uh, Drew. <laughs> Maybe just give a plug. Uh, I've kind of told people I think they know where to find you guys, but if they don't, when will you be on and uh, when can they yeah. see what the IC crew is up to throughout the playoffs? When the final buzzer sounds for tonight's game, join us on our YouTube channel and all of our social media feeds, Illegal Curve Hockey. You can find us there. Just search for that in YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, of course, at Illegal Curve. We'll be live with our post-game show. So assuming if there's no overtime and it's a, you know, a two-and-a-half-hour game, give or take a couple minutes, right around 11.15 tonight, we're going to go live with the Illegal Curve post-game show, bring you everything that occurred tonight's game four between the Jets and the Oilers. 
And of course, illegalcurve.com is your round-the-clock home for all your latest Winnipeg Jet news and audio and video. Our friend Dave Manouk doing a wonderful job keeping everything up to date there. So be sure to follow us uh, online on illegalcurve.com and all of our social media platforms to find the latest As from he, us. Uh, Drew, were you reading that off of a, a teleprompter? That was very Joe Biden-esque. <laughs> he did a good job. <laughs> that is pure Mindell. Look, I'm not just a handsome face. I'm also all the, right. uh, you know, a very articulate and well-spoken As I will man. say. I agree with all of that except the young part. You, um, if I do he, say um, so myself. Congratulations on shaving that beard. You're uh, a, a much more presentable <laughs> you, human right now. The, uh, have the And the ratings, I think, have gone up since then. Uh, Drew, am I correct? The, uh, is there a correlation between not having to look at Ezzy's beard and how many people are viewing the shows now? You know what's you know I love Ezzy's beard, but what's most impressive about Ezzy, from my perspective, uh, you know, people of our pers- persuasion, that being the Jewish people, tend to have male pattern baldness, and uh, as you can see, I clearly am one of those victims. Ezzy has the most glorious head of hair. And the fact that he's been able to keep it almost all the way through his late 30s is what's most impressive to him. Look, anybody can grow a beard that looks <laughs> look like a caveman. It's being able to be of the Jewish persuasion and have hair of that nature that makes Ezzy the king. Uh, and, you know, there's a reason why we call him Big Daddy. And it's more than just a nickname. It is truly that he, you know, embodies. Well, I'll that tell you what. I mean, I think Remo's a, Remo's a contender for a best Jewish salad as well. I mean, yeah. Remo, Remo we can, also that has good head of hair. with one of the great yeah. WST IC hair versus hair match. Hell in a cell. Uh, Ezzy versus Remus. <laughs> and it would point. be obviously officiated by Jim Toth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd be the manager. I'd pull a Bobby the Brain Heenan, and me and Remo would put you through a table or something like that. Uh, guys, this has been so much fun. Oh, and don't don't for a second think I wouldn't turn on Ezzy also. Yeah. Illegal curve allegiance notwithstanding, I would turn on Ezzy and uh, be no doubt that no Drew would be hitting flat. me with the steel chair. I, I have no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, guys, uh, this has been a heck of a lot of fun. I would hit him with the steel chair before the match even starts. You guys are beauties. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys uh, tonight and what you've got catching up for uh, all Jets fans after the game. And, of course, the Saturday shows keep on rolling. Um, keep up the great work, boys, and thanks for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Huss. This was this was awesome. Yeah, This was a lot of fun. Good thanks, stuff, Huss. boys. Thanks, there they are. Know. Follow them on Twitter, at ICSEG and ICDrew, the illegal curve crew man that was a lot of fun let's get remus back in here and reem um obviously we've got the game tonight um i'm going to be doing the cgob pregame as well so uh, if you want to hear more hot takes from me on the comeback and whatnot 6 30 p.m tonight along with kelly moore and ted wyman and a cast of thousands that they've got coming up really looking forward to doing that uh, but, Remo, we do have some business we need to take care of. Opening day at Assiniboia Downs. We've got some bets to make. And um, what do you think about uh, – we've got a ton of people in here. What do you think about packing in a marble race to uh, give away another DQ cake for Nick before the end of the program? What's going on? Yeah, if people want to get in, um, shout out – Who? let me just get it set up and I can write all the – get the contestants in uh, who want in on that. But I'm happy to give another cake away. I know Gregory – one his, and then we'll do it again. I I have to bring everything up. I'm not I'm not quite set up. Yeah, uh, you 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 bring that thing up and get. Do you have ready some stuff to... you need to get? Do you want to get to like the lines or something? Yeah, that's exactly I, what I'm going to do. I'm I gonna be gonna... honest. Like 
I gotta go pee. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I gotta pee pretty bad. Okay, and I usually okay. go, but I've been switching all the things. I didn't have time. I usually go during a guest. Okay, but quickly, like, how do you, you do it? You don't. You don't go pee during the show. Uh, you're, you're drinking on Diet Pepsi. No, you know what? I have a. I wear a stadium pal. Do you have a stadium pal? I, I'm I wearing it right now. I just it, let it go in the middle of the show, and then I empty it afterwards. Okay, you do your. Uh, okay, I don't go, really. Go I'm not wearing line. a stadium pal, everyone. Just that was a joke. I am not. I just go. I just go to the bathroom before we start the show. I don't know. I don't know. That, I got that's... water here. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I need that here. G- give me a sec. Give me a sec. Okay, you go squirt. I will get to our daily lines for CoolBet.com. We're also going to get to our first ever Cinnaboya Downs bets for opening night tonight at the track. And then we will finish it off with a May-long marble race. We'll give away another cake. It's so much fun doing it on Friday. What the heck? We're going to do it again today. All right. Busy day today and a great day for hockey fans. We've got four big games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. First up, 6 p.m., it's the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Leafs on the road, favored, minus 167. Habs, home dog, plus 146. Over under on all the games, five and a half. Moving on, Islanders and Penguins. This has been a great series so far. Huge game five. Pitts at home, they are favored, minus 135. The Islanders on the road, getting plus 120. Battle of Florida. Can the Panthers extend the series and get back to Tampa? Pick them. Minus 106, minus 105. Basically a dead heat. Pick who you think you're going to is going to win the game. Um, geez, I don't really have a good feel on this game. Spencer Knight apparently is going to get the start. This is their uh, first rounder from last year. You know, Dreger had a tough time. He got yanked. Bobrovsky has been anything but a $10 million goalie. So they're going to go with the rookie, it sounds like, with their season on the line. And then, of course, a little later on, you've got the Minnesota Wild looking to stave off elimination in Sin City against the Golden Knights. Wild plus 155, Vegas minus 175, and the game that we're all here to talk about, Winnipeg and Edmonton. Jets up 3-0, going for the sweep once again. An underdog, home dog, plus 108 for the Winnipeg Jets. Oilers favored on the road at minus 127. And Remo, that's a good thing. We've been talking about it all year long. Jets are favored, don't play so well. Put them in as an underdog, they win more often than not. And that has been making Jet fans quite a bit of cake all season long, with the exception of the last month. Sorry, I missed the line, right? When you plus, said plus 108 for Winnipeg. Edmonton, like minus very, 127. That's very slight. So they've been an underdog every game in this oh, series. Yeah. And they have a chance at sweeping. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying to me? <laughs> that is exactly what I am saying. Who's setting Jets? these lines? <laughs> I guess keep, hey, keep giving the, uh, the Jets the underdog, right? They seem to play well. Uh, Blake Wheeler was going hard uh, before on the nobody believed in us. So I, I don't know I if you're going to take know the if Jets, hey? I don't know if they're still going to be able to play the no one believes in us card if they're uh, able to get through Edmonton as quickly as it looks like they could be on the verge of doing it. I'll say that much. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to take him against Toronto. Um, we'll see what happens. That's a, that game's going on tonight, Toronto, Montreal. There is other games, not just the Jets game. Uh, pretty funny. Um, so we'll see. I know Cole Caulfield's playing for 
playing for uh, Montreal. Everyone's been wanting yeah, to get him in the lineup. Yeah, so. Caulfield. Yeah, that'll make the uh, the Habs fans happy to get the, their uh, young stud. Still surprising, to be honest, that he wasn't in the first two games considering the way he played. But um, that is what it is. All right, Remo, before we do the marble race, let's do our first bets for Cineboy Downs because tonight is opening night of live racing. It was supposed to be last week. It is, in fact, today. They had to push it back a week. They've got the jockeys. They've got the horses. They've got everything except fans. But you'll be able to bet with and against us and watch the races all season long at hpibet.com. Remus and I both have our accounts ready to go for tonight's opening night. And throughout the season, we're going to go head-to-head. $20 bet every day at the track. And... We'll see what Remus is cooking up for today's. And again, this is sort of, we're going with some beginner's luck here, considering it is opening day, don't have a lot of information, and did not even go to the handicappers. But again, if you want to, 6.45 p.m. at Assiniboy Downs website, you'll be able to hear from Stretch, Kirk, Marshall, with all their picks for that night's races, and try and uh, you'll get educated a little bit on where you might want to go. These are darts, I will say. But I'm gonna I'm throwing four five dollar bets down tonight. We're going with race one, horse number three, Marianda. Kayla Pizarro is the jockey. So race number one, gonna try and get a W right off the bat. Race number two, taking a three-five Quinella. First, second, second, first. And by the way, if you are wondering about what's a triactor, what's a Quinella, they've got great resources on the Assiniboia Downs website as well as hpibet.com to let you know. Simple videos, how to bet, all that stuff, as well as the Assiniboia Downs guys beforehand can help uh, questions as well. 3-5 Quinella in race two. Race number three, couldn't not bet a horse day, Mr. Dazzle. We've got Mr. Dazzle in three, Antonio Whitehall, great jockey. He's on that. And then saving one fiver for the final race of the night, race seven, horse number seven, simply fabulous with Narone Austin. So there are my bets. Horse three in race one, a three-five Quinella in race two, horse six in race three, and horse seven in race seven. We're putting 20 bucks down. I'm going head-to-head with Remus, and we'll see how things go throughout the year. Rima, are you going to go just one fat $20 bet today? Or are you spreading it out a little bit? What have you uh, What have you figured out? Going to be honest, Huss, uh, I haven't had a chance. I didn't even know that we were doing this uh, today. So here, I got, I got the site up here. Yep, that's and, exactly um, what you want to do. I went tracks. Okay, you go tracks. You hit a Cinnaboy Downs. And I'm going, I go, got to pick my race. Is that what's going on? Uh, yeah. Well, you're right now in race number one, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can see right at the top. You can oh, hit race that one. Drop okay. Down. Which race, yeah. which is the good race? Well, I mean, I think any of them. I'd say just go right into race number one, opening day, first race. See if okay. you can, uh, you know, pick your winner right off the bat. I'm just race picking, one, I'm going, going straight I'm on, winner. I, I'm on number three. So don't pick three. Pick somebody else and we can go head to head on this okay. one. Okay. Is four good? I, I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. We will. We, we'll. Okay, find I'll out. pick four. I'll get out of this. Um, I'll. I'll get out of this. I'll pick four, and then Queen, uh, Queen's we'll, a devil. We'll be good. Sure, I'll pick four. I, I haven't. I'll be honest. I didn't do any. I'm usually when it comes to betting. I'm doing research. I'm reading stuff. Um, I, I guess it's a long weekend. I did not come prepared. I will be. I have to learn how to use this site. 
and uh and all right it. so queen's a devil remus is in for if you want to add or spread around your 20 you can do that we'll have a report tomorrow when we make our other picks for tomorrow's races as to how we did tonight and for you horse racing fans i know a lot of fans of darren dunn who's been with us for a long time double d is going to join us tomorrow 215 on the program talk about opening night rest of the season oh. In addition to uh, I got what's the, going on. I got the odds here. I, I'm changing it up. Uh, okay. Four is 15 to one. I'm taking five. Maybella. Okay. There. Quick pick. Done. Maybella to win. Place bet. Oh, no. Excellent. I, I want to do this one. Place bet. Yeah. Can, it's very simple. And you know what? I was on there today. Just wanted to make sure that I did it. There's a video. You click on it. It's like 45 seconds, 50 seconds. And at the end of it, I knew exactly what I was doing. So I got my thing. Simple. It took me a second. You know, I'm doing this show. It's hard to figure out how to bet on a horse. David Carpenter says, Remo isn't exactly Ed Olchek on this. I'm going to be. That's, that's the goal. That's, <laughs> yes. you got to start somewhere. you got to start somewhere, David. I do appreciate that. That is very, very funny. So... Yeah, you know, we, we might have to hook up. We might have to hook up with the guys from the Assiniboy Downs betting show, and like, I'll have a guy, and you can have a guy, and we can text them the separate dudes for their mm-hmm. thoughts and picks as we go into yeah. this. Well, uh, but again, I'm we hoping, can watch them all at six forty-five. I'm hoping we can collaborate with them and do like a how to bet on uh, horse racing video. I think a lot of people would benefit from that, not just from here, but maybe people searching on YouTube looking for that information. Uh, the king of SEO, right here. Michael Remus, knowing what people are searching for. So HPI bets where it is. Those are our picks for tonight. Darren Dunn tomorrow. And uh, best of luck for uh, another great year of live racing. Hopefully we'll be able to get back to the track at some point with actual fans in the stands. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the schedule. And every night, 6.45 before the 7.20 parade to post is the ASD live show, which will give you some tips. All right. We've had so much fun today. Um... It's time. It's time to give away a cake with Nick and Nikki DQ. So, Reem, why don't you open up the marbles? I'll start fire. Okay, so put in Huss and Remus. Actually, you know what? Put in Drew and Ezzy as well for uh, for their participating. They they get into they get into it because they were with us today. Uh, and then I'm going to start firing you some uh, some names. Fritchie, Fritchie 101, the Bullet. Bus split. Oh, you're muted, by the way. Um, Eric. Oh, okay. Eric. Uh, Eric Sherlison. Eric H. Uh, Red Ranger. Red Ranger fifteen. Trevor Red Ranger. Yeah. Uh, Chuck WPG. Yeah. Who else do we have here? Jeff Kabilis. Bus split. I think you got him in there, yeah. Okay, he's here as well. Uh, anyone else in the in here with us right now that's in Winnipeg? Throw yourself. Oh, luck, the Gitch, Lucky Gitch. Yeah, he's here. Um, Justin Johnson. Yeah. Quinn from the Finn. <clears throat> yeah. Funky but chunky. Yeah. Uh, De- Evan P for sure. Evan was in with the super chat yesterday. Maybe there'll be some good karma to uh, get the W. Uh, let's see. Oh, Grajewski. Yeah. My guy, Mike Grajewski. Oh, Mitch, of course. Mitch, the godfather, Mitch, uh, WHT. Yeah. Who else do we have in here? Roger Quinnell. 
Yeah, just keep. Yeah, I got uh, them all in the, here. The Commodore. Yeah. Cam Platt. Sure. Mike Gould. Yeah, he says he's here. Yeah, Mark B. With a C. Sure. Uh, let's see. Oh, Tyson D. Yeah. Uh, Danger M. Yeah. Uh, Akash Bally. Okay. Michael Capti. Yeah. Adam Junkin. Okay. Brendan Wilson. Okay. Oh my God. There's so many people we got. Like, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people getting in here. Justin F. Okay. Uh, GoPro Trucker. Yeah. Leslie Mitchnuck. Okay. Leslie oh my M. God. Okay, and I'm picking three more. Okay. Picking three more. Uh, Chris Beck. Yeah. Uh, we, Kenny's water bottle for sure. And the Kenny's last one, water bottle. Kenny's water bottle is in. Oh, and the last one is Mosin Syed. And Mosin, I believe that was you <laughs> that sent me on Twitter last night a meme of it's Mike Smith after the game, and it changed. They they put a hyphen in between the four and one, and the name bar was changed to it was. So it just said it was four one oh on the back of Mike Smith. So uh, that was uh, that was outstanding. Okay, so um, we've got everyone in. We're pretty much good. And again, we're going to do these occasionally. We'll um, get as many people as we can, and we're hoping to find something where just if you're in the YouTube chat, it'll automatically put you in on the marbles. Um, but again, yeah, yeah, Justin, only, Justin, I was going to say that's only on Twitch. You can do that. So I could, like, put up, like, a Twitch chat box, and people could just, like, type it in, and it would go nuts. Yeah. So well, anyways, that's... listen, this is fine. We've got it in there. We'll figure out a way to qualify for some of our races going forward because, obviously, yeah. we've had so many people in. It's been difficult to do it. So, um, But overall, this has been great. Hell of a lot of fun. And, um, man, it, it, Fridays was electric. So now – how many How many do we have in here, Reem? 35 people Ooh. in here. Okay. 35 person marble race for our game day dq cake thanks again to nick and nikki uh greg was our winner before earl of eli won one early on i do remember so let's do this reem are we ready to go 35 marbles in one will come out first it's marbles on stream it's Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're getting ready for game four, and we've got a DQ cake for one of our YouTube viewers. Remo, let's get it going. All right. I got to remember how to do these controls. Are we ready here? Should I put on the sounds, too? I, I got the sounds off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's go with the okay. sounds. Okay, ready? And I got to start this. Is this the same race? Did I pick the same one? Whatever. I'm not sure. We're, it could be. we're starting it. It's going. We're off. Are you seeing this? Oh, yeah. I'm seeing it. So we got Chuck Winnipeg, Mitch is in first, the Commodore. Good start. Everyone's Kenny's water bottle in the... Uh, oh, this thing's intense. In the this back. Is, that, this is not the same one, but I, I have done this one. You, oh, you don't think it's the same one? No, it's not. The other one had like some other thing. It's very similar. But oh, yeah, oh, Mitch is out first. And then, oh, there he is. Godfather, early lead. Commodore, Cam Platt, Red Ranger, the Bullet, and Mark Beak sort of in the lead group right now. Um, Quinn, Justin Johnson, Leslie, Fritchie, all making it. But Mitch has a nice little lead right now. The thing is, you don't want to go get going too fast and then fly over the edge. 
Mitch, king of Motown, Winnipeg Hockey Talk himself, is in the lead right now. Commodore in second, Cam Platt in third, and the Bullet and Red Ranger pushing the pace with that lead lap. Mitch, still in the lead, going around a little bit more longer of a route, it looks like. Although, no, he's still in the lead. We've got the Commodore following him behind. Everyone wondering whether Mitch can pretty much go wire to wire in this marble race or whether, like Gregory Liverpool in Friday's race, a miracle finish at the end with a late comeback. Um, not sure what's going oh, on right now. Sorry, the, bullet, first, uh, oh, the Commodore is in first. Commodore has taken over. Mitch still in second. And we're looking at the Commodore's lead right now a little bit. Oh, this is going to be tight. Commodore is this the and end? Mitch, Red Ranger. This oh, the Commodore. Be. Commodore wins! Yes, sorry, I screwed up there. That's okay, that's okay. I mean, there's lots going on here with the marble race. Wow, Commodore. I didn't realize that this was the end. I did not realize it. You they never just, know. Like, went down this thing, and we're in the end. The Commodore won, Mark B, Mitch, Leslie. Red Ranger, Bullet, Ezzy, Drew, Cam Platt, and Jeff Kipilis. Where was I? Look at this. I'm, like, last. It's me, Mosin. Oh, you're last. Crispy Critter. Who's it going to be? Who's first? Chris or I? Who's the... Oh, I got 34th of the 35th. Chris, you're very tardy today. Wow. That was uh, that was exhilarating. Exhilarating action to tee you up for game four. Now, uh, Commodore, well done. Um, now, we can't message him on YouTube, Reem. No. Um, you know what? Send us a DM if you can, Commodore, on Twitter. If, or, uh, if yeah, possible. I don't know. I, I, how do we get in touch with people of YouTube? I, I'm not even sure. Yeah, no, I don't think so. So yeah, send us a send us a DM if you can, uh, or an email or something like that. So uh, we've got your uh, we've got your deets, and then uh, we'll get you hooked up with Nick, and you can uh, go pick up that cake. Love the marble races. Love the. Mar- I didn't like that course as much as some of the other ones. Uh, yeah, I, I got to pick a different one. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll pre- I'll bring up the uh, the results again. Where did I finish? Am I in there? You I, no, you're you're down. I must be way down. Oh, I'm twenty second. Twenty second. I was thirty fourth. I think. So there's uh, hustle. You're thirty fourth. Yeah, Chris. So that was a yeah. quick one. That was like a minute, minute forty. Okay, okay. Well, we. That's good to know for uh, for the next ones we get to. Definitely is amazing. There's still four hundred people hanging around with us, checking out the marble race at the end of the stream. Um, Listen, great show today. Thanks to everyone that joined in um, and hanging out. If you kind of came in late, if you're new to Winnipeg Sports Talk, um, obviously it's a holiday, but Jets are in the playoffs and rolling. We're going to be on the air. Did a show yesterday. We did a show today. We'll be back tomorrow with our live regular weekday show at 1 p.m., breaking down everything coming out of Game 4 tonight. Will we have a Game 5? Will we be talking about Round 2? We'll find out tomorrow. Um, as always, want to thank our great sponsors, Breezy Bend Country Club. Once again, shout out to the legend Phil Mickelson for that victory yesterday. We'll be talking about that one forever. Uh, Nick and Nikki DQ, and congratulations to our winner of the of the cake. Uh, Royal Sports, go grab your white oak gear, folks. Uh, we could be in for a long run. Boston Pizza, not Autocorp. And uh, if you're thinking about hmm, what do you want to do for the game tonight, maybe a few ice-cold little brown jugs would be perfect for it. Pick those up at your local beer store. Cool Bet Canada, Aikens Lake, not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, the whole gang. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Um, we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. 
I will be wearing the blue. If things get ugly, I will put the white on as directed by you, the listeners. And most importantly, enjoy it. Have a great night tonight. Enjoy this day. Finally got a little nice outside. 8.45 start. You might have to take a nap. Check out our friends Illegal Curve and Kenny and Rennie after the show. And make sure you're back here tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't. Hit us with a like on the way out. And thanks again for being with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Enjoy tonight's game. And we'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Yeah. Uh, See ya. One sec, I gotta hit the button. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.